Today's episode is in partnership with Dashiell Beauty. Early listeners will know that my first ever episode of this podcast was with my amazingly talented good friend Tanya Ahmed, the founder of Dashiell. This month, she launched the website www.dashiell-uk.com and I could not be more proud of her. Dashiell Beauty is a multi-brand South Asian beauty retailer with exclusive rights in the UK, working with incredible brands in India. And right now, listeners can get 20% off with the code THEUNSER2020. That is THEUNSER202020. So sign up and try the products for yourself. I will also put the code in the show notes so you don't miss out. You can also follow their TikTok and Instagram pages at Dashiell Beauty for products, playlists and much more. Hello and welcome back to season four of the Uncertainties, the podcast for 20-somethings who don't quite have their shit together yet. I cannot believe that we are on our fourth season. To anyone who has listened and supported the podcast, thank you so much. It honestly means a lot to me. And I hope that this season doesn't disappoint because we have some amazing guests lined up. If you are a fan of the episode and you have 30 seconds to spare, it would mean so much to me if you could rate or review wherever you listen to your podcast as it helps new listeners to discover it. So thank you again. And without further ado, I hope you enjoy. Today's guest is an actor, author, comedian and self-professed celebrity of Northwest London. She grew up in the world of privilege and politics as a daughter of Labour politician Alistair Campbell, who has attended Hannah Montana concerts with Boris Johnson and went to school with international pop sensation Dua Lipa. On the 6th of August this year, during her stint at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, she published an article in The Guardian discussing a sexual assault that had occurred while she was in the US the previous year. The article spoke sensitively about assault, the topic of consent and a failing judicial system that cannot protect victims of rape, most notably women. The piece immediately garnered an outpouring of praise and if you haven't read it already, I urge you to pause this podcast and read it immediately. It is this kind of vulnerable honesty surrounding not just the topic of intimacy, but destigmatizing shame around sex, mental health and the female body that has made her so beloved amongst her fans. Her book, Amazing Disgrace, was described by Catherine Ryan as an outpouring of truth, wit and beautiful comedic wisdom and Scarlett Curtis as bold, vulnerable and hilarious. The front cover, which shows Grace riding a dick-shaped cloud, should say everything you need to know about what's inside. She is a loud, unapologetic, sex-positive, shame-embracing comedian who hosts her own comedy night, The Disgraceful Club, and is taking her critically acclaimed show, a, ho- a host, uh-huh. a, show, <laughs> a big old host. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> a show about men or me n brackets n on tour around the uk next year said about herself grace campbell is the funniest person she has ever met if she wasn't her she would want to be her <laughs> she is an utter disgrace that all women love and all tory men are afraid of healing the nation one funny fart at a time so grace campbell oh, that was such a nice introduction <laughs> welcome I could say it over and over again. I mean, I that feel like so the whole bit went a little bit skew with at the middle, but we got back. We got it back. No, you it's did all a great good. job. You did a great job. Oh, that was no, really it, lovely. Thank you so oh, much. Oh, thank you so much for being here. I honestly, truly appreciate it. From like a slightly drunk conversation. It's slightly <laughs> drunk. I mean, I was absolutely fucked. <laughs> that night went so west. We were at Shoreditch House. Oh, my God. House, agreed. I like, after that, after we were at Shoreditch House, me and my friend Erin, like, went to the bagel shop on Brick Lane. And then I, like, my phone was dead, so even if I got on the tube, I wouldn't have been able to, like, get out of the tube. Oh, yeah, yeah, been there. So I don't really even remember. And then I went back to Erin's, and, like, I remember waking up at hers in Deptford and being like, why the fuck am I in Deptford? (laughs) (laughs) I never go that deep in (laughs) South East London. (laughs) I want to start the podcast with... Some really hard-hitting questions, okay. so I hope you're ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Uh, question number one. What are your top three Mary-Kate and Ashley movies? Go. Oh, such a good question. Thank you. Okay. 
Um, Passport to Paris, Fucking number one. Yes. Yeah. Okay, really and that, good that gave me such a romanticised version of Paris. Oh my God. The bit where they're fighting with the baguettes in front of the yeah, Eiffel Tower. Yeah. Incredible. Passport yeah. to Paris. Oh, such a good question. Well done. I mean, I'm going to ask this for. Passport to Good Paris, after Definitely number one. I, I know that Holiday in the Bahamas is in it. Yes, yes, but yes. Like, I'm not sure. It's I didn't fuck with that one that really, much. Really? I loved it because I, I, lo- I always wanted to go to that hotel in the yeah, Bahamas. Yeah, me too. Me my too. eldest What's brother. What's it called? Like the Atl- Atlantis yeah, or something? Yeah, the Atlantis. Yeah, yeah. And my eldest brother, like, like was a poker player when he was like really young and so took okay, when he was still at school took his first girlfriend to that place in the Bahamas oh God, really? and I was like as if you, you've you gone there he's made it that's insane so, but I think that would be number three cause I, just because I loved it for that um I don't know I love switching goals okay yeah, yeah. I love switching yeah, yeah. goals that um, is a good one I think it would go Passport to Paris, Switching Goals, and then Holiday in the Sun. Yeah, fair. Good choice. Wow, really imagine choice. if I didn't know anything about Mary Kay and Ashley. Yeah, your whole life like, would be yeah. a lie. Yeah. <laughs> if I just outed you now. Yeah. Like, you know nothing. I'm a liar. Um, follow-up question. Are you more of a Mary Kay or an Ashley? I was definitely more Mary Kay. Yeah, me yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, I feel you, girl. Um, third question. <laughs> what is your curl routine? Because the fans need to know immediately. My curl routine? Yeah, curly girls out there, oh, myself I'm, included. I'm not sure my hair is that aspirational. Uh, some would it disagree. It is from the front, <laughs> but from behind I look like a 55-year-old woman. <laughs> like... Like a like white woman who lives in Suffolk and like rarely brushes her hair. Like that's what I look like from behind. From the front, it's, it looks good. It's beautiful. It's cool. my routine is I get I wash it every day, but okay. I don't shampoo and condition it. I wet it every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Do you have then, one of the wet the bottles? No, no, oh, okay. I shower because I exercise every day, so I get yeah. really sweaty and then oh, I need yeah. to like wash my hair. Um, and then I when it's soaking wet, brush through it with my Denmark brush. Okay. And then obviously just sit for like half an hour just twisting. So you do yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, I do okay. like, I do twist it all, even though I twist the back and then it frizzes up. And then I use like, oh, I, I change, at the moment I'm like trying different things. Okay, yeah. My staple is the Cantu like holding gel. I and know then the well. conditioner cream as yeah, well. Yeah, nice. Those are my like everydays. Go-tos. And then if I was going to go out and I needed it to last longer, mm-hmm. I would put in, um, what's that brand called? It's Pink Lee Stafford. Oh. Lee Stafford Smith. I think that's the name I of the know brand. If I've heard it's that. like pink, like all the branding is pink. And they bought this okay. thing that I got in Edinburgh, which is also a really good like holding gel, which holds it for a bit longer but makes it a bit drier. Right, okay. Like Cantu just doesn't make it dry. Yeah, it's got the moisturising. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel yeah, I'm right there with you. Um good to know. I feel like yeah. that's gonna really clear up some questions yeah, for the yeah, fans. Because yeah, yeah. they've sure. been begging. No, I know. Thing. I always get DMs about it. I bet you mm. do. I bet you do. Well, me, me and my best friend, like Anna, me and Anna like Anna's hair is insane. She's like tamed it quite a lot now, but when we were younger, she looked like Hagrid. Like her hair was like, <laughs> it was like a Christmas tree shape. Like Anna's hair when we were younger, like she's Greek. Like it was just like oh, really frizzy. I feel that, that's me And well. And so we used to be like, our hair at school, because we obviously didn't know how to look after it. Yeah. Didn't know what to do with it. Like my mum d- didn't know what to do with my hair because yeah. she had straight hair. And so she didn't really know like how, how what to, to tell like... me to do because like my hair is just like a bush. Um, <laughs> so me and Anna just look like absolutely mental. But she's she's gone the other way where her hair she like straight like blow dries her hair a lot. Oh, really? Her hair's a lot straighter now, or will like tie it up. But yeah, we both have very frizzy hair. Yeah, I feel like frizzy girls unite. You know, it's, yeah, our, it's yeah, our time. Yeah. I feel like we've deserved. We're drawn this. to each other. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Um, okay, next question. Shag, marry, kill. Justin, Bobby, Spencer, or Brady? For anyone who doesn't realise this is a Hills reference. Okay, I'm presuming it, yeah, it's not Spencer Matthews. No, 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 sorry, Spencer Pratt. Spencer Pratt, Justin, Bobby, oh, and Brody. Obviously, kill Spencer. Like, he's the worst <laughs> person to, in the world. 100%. I mean, a, a, amazing comedic value. Yeah, like, and fantastic television. Brilliant to yeah. watch. Yeah, yeah. Um, that bit where he says to um, Audrina, and he, she goes, hi, Spencer, in the club. And he's like, you are the lamest fucking girl in this club. Don't talk to me. Me and my friends oh always my used God. to say that. I would kill him. I would marry Brody because then I could get in with the Jenners and the Kardashians. Nice. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. I would shag Justin Bobby because I always used to fancy him. He is quite sexy. Mm. I mean, famously burped. Like, wasn't that his first scene that he burped? Yeah, 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 yeah. He's such a bad boy. Yeah. 
He's so bad. I so want him. Oh, Justin Bobby. Also, did you did you do this? Because I did. The first time I was in LA, I was with my boss at the time. He was like driving through and I was like, I just need, like as a matter of fact, I just need you to play Natasha Bedingfield. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Unwritten right now. And he barefaced refused me. And I was like, this is the moment that I knew that our working relationship was, was basically done. over. Yeah. I was like, not for me. No, thank you. Goodbye. Yeah, we, we, when... The, well, it wasn't the first time I'd been there, but it was the first time I went with Anna, my best friend. And we rented, for one day, we rented a, like, BMW, like, nice. convertible. Yeah. And drove to Palm Springs. And we've got this video of us playing Unwritten. Oh, like, God, driving it. into the desert <laughs> in the fucking BMW. It's so sick. It's amazing. Yeah. I also tried to find Ledoux and then was heartbroken to find out that it's um it doesn't exist. Really? They've, come, they've shut it down. Do you know who I saw when I was there last year is Stacey, the bartender. Shut yeah. I was walking, oh, I was God, staying I in that. the hills and I was walking down the hill and there was this woman push, pushing a pram with her mum, like her mum and then her baby. And I was like, oh my God, that looks so much like Stacey the bartender. And then I like followed her for a bit and I was like, I love that it's voice, called Stacey like, the bartender it's as well. Stacey the bartender. Oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah. That's so great. I love that. Um, would you rather be Lauren, Heidi or Audrina? I loved Elsie. She was a yeah. huge bitch, but like I loved her. Do you think she, she was, was a bitch? so controlling? I thought she was so like. I thought she was quite placid. No, I think she, she had opinions. That, that was all part of her plan. Like Do you reckon? she wanted people to think she was really nice and innocent in loads of situations, but yeah. she was quite a bitch. If like I, whenever I rewatch it, I'm Maybe like, I need to give it a rewatch. Yeah, definitely. I always thought it. that she was like the nice, the nice inoffensive girl. No, I would say if anything, Audrina was the, actually the nicest. She was really? the one that was just like. She wasn't. Whitney. I don't think she ever. Whitney oh yeah, was Whitney was so like too amazing. nice for that show. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I would definitely want to be Lauren. I used to love Lauren. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Next question: What is your status, or sorry, what is the status of your relationship with Liam Payne slash his publicist at this very moment? Oh, that was a lie. <laughs> Do you know that that it was a lie? Yeah, yeah. I have but no relationship. I have so no much. relations with them. They don't know who I am. They've never heard of Surely me. Surely not. You would think that that would have made it onto his radar. Well, it made it wouldn't have made it onto his radar. It made That's it onto a, like a few journalists' radar because okay. before. So for anyone listening who doesn't know, like on April, so um, <laughs> the week before April Fools this year, I did a sketch sort of taking the piss out of Liam Payne at the Oscars, right? Yeah. And it was like him when he did it's that interview funny. with Good Morning Britain, he was clearly on coke. <laughs> so I did this sketch about him being on coke at the Vanity Fair after party. And then as an April Fools that week, I pranked people that i was being sued by liam payne's management to be fair i did believe this yeah, at the time everyone believed it like my good <laughs> friends believed it i was like what i mean i just think it's wild when people believe stuff on the first of april but that's another thing so i did this really easily forged i just crossed out the name so it could have been anyone like email being like you know we're threatening to sue and you need to take it down blah 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 and everybody believed it. And then I, by the end of the day, I was getting called, my agent was getting calls from like so many journalists being like, really? can we get a quote from Grace on like the, the Liam Payne like, like lawsuit, whatever. Oh my God, I love it so much. And then my agent was like, you need to shut this down. So I was like, oh my God, guys, so embarrassing that you all believe this. Obviously it was a lie. <laughs> like seriously? Like, yeah, like, it's the on. 1st of April. That's so funny. Um, and inspired by your Instagram story from yesterday, what is your biggest ick right now? <clears throat> can I just say reading through the ones that you posted fuck me Pete you are right people are unhinged and I yeah I know so I love it I love it <laughs> so amazing. much I love it it's so people funny. are like so much more unhinged than me I love knowing that yeah like, you're safe I'm in the knowledge of that tame. yeah yeah um, what's my biggest ick right now I'm just trying to think like what's given me the ick recently like honestly I get the ick so easily at the moment like the way that people text <laughs> gives me the ick <laughs> Um, <laughs> people's social medias give me the ick. Yeah, like, I just I feel think like men shouldn't be able to post. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like when when men like up like when men <laughs> who don't like aren't influencers post like <laughs> updates on their lives. I'm like. <laughs> Just stop posting. Just stop. Also, men who are influencers. I don't think men should be allowed to it's, post. It's, yeah, I know it's what you mean. It's embarrassing. Yeah. It's embarrassing for everyone involved. Um, so let's get into your book, um, which I read last week and absolutely, I j'adored the book. Love Had it. to get that in. Um, found it really unbelievably relatable. I did that thing, I don't know if you do this, where like when I read 
um, like autobiographical books, I always have like a highlighter next to me. So I'm like, yep, I like that. And then I found myself like basically just highlighting the whole book. And then I got oh. to the end and I was like, yep, no, that, that was a lot. But um, <laughs> I genuinely loved it. Like made me laugh. But also, yeah, I just felt like, because I guess we are the same age. So like all of the references were just like so spot on for me. Basically this book, Amazing Disgrace, a book about shame is not just a book about shame for me or anyway. I feel like it's so much more. It's a book about you know, misogyny in the workplace. I feel like you're incredibly honest about nepotism as well, that you talk about quite a lot. The beauty of female friendships, I think is really at the core and the importance of family as well. Um, first things, really enjoyed the fact that your first words were <laughs> Gary Neville. Mm-hmm. True story. <laughs> tickled me, tickled me that fact. Second question, are you still a regular at Rowan's? Cause I miss that place so I um well I was banned from Rowan's for ages so what happened with, are you allowed to talk about no I'm actually I'm not I'm never gonna tell people the story really? of why I was banned. so elusive I love it yeah okay. so I mean one day it'll be like a big reveal <laughs> but I'm not doing it's, it's gonna I'm Fair building enough. it up on it but so I um I used to go to Rowan's like all the time mm. and it was just the best place in North London. Like, I love it. Yeah, it's I used to so live on Finsbury Park Road oh, so really? it was like a two minute walk from me yeah. and it was just like it's every It's so much get, fun. Yeah, it's such a good time. Um, and it's great on the weekends. And then I got banned. Um, when did I get banned? Oh, it was like years before. Like I'd been banned for a few years. Um, and then... I kept trying to go and then like <laughs> it would be situations where like I'd use someone else's ID because all my friends would have birthdays at Rowan's like oh, in our early 20s yeah, it was just like it's, that's it's the best place yeah. it's cheap it's fun it's got a late license like it's a vibe yeah so I would try and go using other people's IDs but the, the guy like just knew me really and so and I just like, could not you. get in and then one day the only time that I went within my van was when I went so early one day before they had security. <laughs> when you're like just doing it with the kids there, just parties. waited there until it became like the nightclub. So me and my ex-boyfriend were my best friends. We got there commitment. at like three and we were so drunk by the evening. So we were just drinking like the Roman's booze, yeah. which is cheap as fucking shit. Anyway, and then eventually like we emailed and emailed and emailed. Um, and then it was Anna's birthday one day and she was going to Rowan's and it was this whole thing as everyone was like, well, what is Grace going to do? Like, she's not going to be able to come. And then we were in Clissold Park and I got my email that was like, the Grace Campbell band's been lifted. And then like everyone oh, in Clissold it, Park, yes. I was like, I was so gassed. Oh my God. Um, I amazing. actually don't go there anymore at all. Really? But I don't really go out like that. Yeah. Like, anymore. Yeah. No fair. I just, I just miss the sound of that. Yeah. That siren every time you're like, oh, there it is. Yeah. Such good times. Um, yeah. God, I miss it. Just speaking about it now, I need to make, get back there. Um, as I kind of mentioned in the introduction, due to your parents' jobs, you did have a strange and quite unique upbringing within the political world. Um, one thing that is playing on my mind that I also did mention in the introduction, when you went to that Hannah Montana concert with Boris Johnson, did he know any of the songs? And if so, like, were you just bopping to, like, everybody makes mistakes? I don't think he knew any of the songs. Okay. I don't think he was actually watching the concert. Okay, like, they, he was very much, like, not really... It was his daughters were, like, watching it. Okay, got you. It's a bit like... I mean, I don't think my dad was, like, <laughs> enthralled to be at a Hannah Montana concert. Like, he was just there because he'd, like... I begged him to take me. I would love to... Yeah, if, if your I remember that because like, I didn't really know who Boris Johnson that. was in the sense of, like... Like politically, I knew he was the yeah. mayor of London, but I didn't really. I was fourteen, so I didn't really have like a huge understanding of like you know the political landscape here. Yeah, and my dad's sort of politics in it, and how much he hates certain people. Mm. So we got to this box, and it was like there was a list, and it was like obviously Alistair Campbell and like me and my friend Emily. And then my dad like looked at the list. He was like, "Can I look at this? See who else is coming?" And it was like Boris Johnson and his kids. Oh, and so my dad was like, fuck's sake, Grace, why the fuck am I here? Like, why <laughs> the fuck have you brought me? I've got to fucking spend the night with fucking Boris Johnson. And my dad hated him then. Like, yeah. he had a really bad reputation already. Um, and so, yeah, and then it was just a really weird night. <laughs> really icy, yeah. I can, yeah, that's probably quite, <laughs> you were just there being like, best of both worlds, anyone? Yeah, yeah. Another thing that I found really interesting in your book, uh, you mentioned when you were seven, the Putins were in town. Um, and you continue with an anecdote of briefly brushing shoulders with Putin, going on a day date with his daughters and your mum, which sounds 
like so insane. Firstly, how small genuinely is he? Because you are like he is super super small. Yeah, he's very short. He's really, really short. I mean, you can look that. Like, I mean, I could you, Google when it. you look at pictures <laughs> of him next to other people, like who have yeah known you can see how small he is he's very small that is insane um Um, yeah that my dad was like when i was doing at edinburgh this year like the fringe and my first show was about politics and that was in 2019 it was about growing up in politics and it was about why i'll never be a politician yeah and in that show i spoke about that running with like putin's family obviously I'm just not going to make jokes about Putin now. Like, yeah. it's just like, he's a terrible, terrible man. And like, what he's doing is evil. My dad was like, is there a way you could get it in this show? You know, it's about men. Like, why don't you just drop in like a story about Putin? I was like, is this a show about my ex-boyfriends? Like, <laughs> I can't just like name like, drop sure, yeah. a terrible fucking dictator who's like killing people right now just because it will be like topical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the uh, yeah. thanks for that, Dad. But he maybe loves to not. like contribute to my stand up, and then I'm like, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Bless you, but Ooh. let's let's leave that to me. That is really interesting that you say that though, because the what I was gonna ask is, given the events of what has happened this year, do you look back on moments like that, and does it completely recontextualize those events in your life? Well, no, because I never thought met him and was like, oh my god, I love this man. I'm such a fan. Like, yeah. I, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I just I, I thought. I, I think politicians I find hard to trust at the best of times. Yeah. So I was never like, you know, obsessed with him and I was never I never like spoke lightly of him even when I would talk about those stories. It was much more just an anecdote of like yeah. an encounter that I had with him as a child. But I just it's just not funny now. Like no, there yeah, was a exactly. moment where I was like, How funny that I met this like wickedly evil man then, but like now it's just like it's really really fucked, fucked up, up what yeah, he's doing no, exactly. and it's just like it's really scary yeah um and yeah i don't want to get novichoked yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's a fair thing <laughs> to say yeah no i just wonder if it's like really bizarre to like look back and be like god that's so weird that now i like brush shoulders with someone at that age and then like to see what what has like now and it's funny because so I don't insane. think that but maybe really? I should no no yeah. no I mean that's the thing like you probably yeah. wouldn't think like... I think my childhood was just so weird yeah that I, there's nothing that I think oh that was really weird I just think that's what that's happened. your childhood yeah exactly yeah I yeah. don't like and that's not in a like weird like oh my god it's 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 not normal I know it's not normal but like I just I'm very like I never stop and think isn't that mad that that just happened like mm. I just like I'm going with the flow yeah. constantly um, randomly I just want to ask have you ever met the Obamas because I just feel like maybe no. that is something that could have happened in your life I was very close to meeting the girls I really... when I was in LA and like would love to meet them actually the other day got in such a like um, who, there was this rumour that I think it was Malia it was going out with... She's having a baby with Future. No, it's not Future. Oh, that... oh, so that's the thing. It was fake okay. news. Okay. So I got... I got Definitely got that from TikTok. So yeah, so I, I got it from TikTok and then I actually went and Googled it and she's having a baby with like some random okay, guy. Okay, fine. It's not that Future. That makes me feel older. She had met Future she? once. <laughs> I see. She's I see. the one that was like, yeah, she's super cool. I mean, they're both super cool. Mm. I would love to meet them. Um, but then I was like, imagine it. That would be sick if she had a baby with Future. Yeah, I know. I was, I was really here. For no, it would be amazing. Yeah, it would be amazing. No, I've never met them. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, no, I just thought would love. Feels obviously, like something. That obviously, could have would, love. would love. <laughs> obviously, if they Obama's want to meet. if you're listening, because yeah, yeah. yeah, this this podcast reaches yeah. really far. So, um, <laughs> one of the most relatable bits for me of the book was you discussing dealing with rejection. This is something that. I am very like well tuned to as well, but like also how that rejection kind of manifested itself into sometimes quite worrying traits. So you say in the book, rejection made me attack and I attacked two things that were closest to me, my body and my mind. And I feel like you've you've detailed kind of a string of quite like tragic romantic encounters. I hope you don't mind me saying tragic. No, of course. I feel like I literally was the face of tragic when I was at school. So this bit really, it really spoke to me. Um, how quickly those <clears throat> those events kind of made you turn inwardly and make you feel like you were the one that was unattractive. And you said, um, the only thing that I mastered in my teenage years was the art of being both too much and not enough all at once. And I was like, girl, breathe <laughs> to that. But um, what was the journey for you in terms of like growing your self-confidence and becoming like the queen that is... Obviously well, I think today. I still have that thing now of like mastering the art of 
being too much or not enough all at once. I think that's my disposition in mm. loads of ways because I'm like seemingly really confident and in, and in most ways I am actually really confident. Mm. Like actually in most ways apart from when it comes to men. So like with everything else, if I don't get a job, if like someone's rude to me, if something doesn't, whatever, I'm like, whatever, like that's their problem. That's not my problem. When I get rejected by a man, actually not anymore, but until about, until the beginning of this year, mm-hmm. it would have just like destroyed me and destroyed my self-esteem and then I would have thought, and then everything else, I would have been like, well, my career's shit, my life's like, shit, like, nobody likes me because of like how like this man sees me. Yeah. So that's what I think that speaks to, which is still very much the same now. Well, this year it's gotten a lot better because mm. I've had to really, really attack some of my relationships with men and, and that's what the show that I've just done is about, like my constant need for male validation um so and then to answer your like you know when i would whenever i would get rejected and and i say this genuinely until this year like the year that's just started like 2022 whenever i would get rejected which like you not to say that <laughs> no, about no, you please bring not me to into be this yeah. but like you was a lot like yeah like when i was at school i got rejected yeah. all the time when i was like older people would want to have sex with me but would never want to be my boyfriend so like it was it was like that validation came sexually Mm. but then I never got like romantic validation like no one ever wanted to like take me on a date or like sort of like that that level of intimacy like nobody wanted with me and then also I feel like in loads of moments in my life like my actual like personality is the thing that like drives people away but there's nothing I can do about that because like Mm. you can't change you can't fundamentally change who you are and also I'm not going to do that like I'm not compromising on that um so when I was younger I used to deal with it in like a really specific way where I would like get rejected I remember like you know I don't even know if this is in the book but I remember like once I got rejected and I'd gotten with this guy and I think he was like in our friendship group a bit like North London was like so incestuous it still is but like then it was just a joke and he had and then I'd gone out and then he was at this party and we'd already gotten with each other and then he just like completely ignored me and they got with someone else and we were at this party and then I remember it just like I just got fucked like Mm. I just I was like the only thing I could do is just get really fucked I've literally done and then embarrassed myself even more because like that's why like it's such a soul destroying self-destructive pattern of behaviour because when I get rejected now which like to be fair doesn't happen as much because I'm not putting myself out there in that way that I used to like I'm like if things come they come and then they go or they don't and they stick and then whatever but so now when it happens I know really well do not drink Mm. do not go out like do not because that's when you're putting yourself at risk of when you have that feeling of like not really like knowing who you are and like doubting yourself that's when I have the tendency to get really fucked and make bad decisions make bad decisions overdo it and then have like a three day fucking come down hangover where like I want to kill myself so it's like it's a terrible terrible thing it's a really bad thing Yeah, yeah yeah so that's that's how that's changed the worst part for me so say if I'm going through a breakup um, or yeah like when I've gone through breakups in the last few years the the only time it's really chronically bad is when I'm hungover mm. and that's the only time sometimes when I'm hungover or ill I will get in touch with exes because I'm so desperate for that and attention then, yeah. whereas when I'm sober or like not hungover or like managing do you know what I mean like I'm having a glass of wine now but like not like excess excess yeah, yeah, yeah. um it's when i'm in those positions that i like do things that i really really regret yeah and it's so interesting i think and that's again another thing that is so inherently female is when and i, I wonder whether or not guys have this and maybe they do but when you do get rejected it's automatically what is it about me what do they <clears> not <throat> like about me or a part of my appearance or a part of like just yeah it's always so inward whereas you, you would never be like um oh, that well that guy's just insecure and no and i know and it's so funny just so frustrating but that's where i am now yeah I'm in a, I'm, in a, that. I'm in a really like great place now and i hope like anyone like listening who's in that place that i was just talking about like you will get to this place because i am fucking i'm old enough now it's taken me a few years to get here but like i i basically begun this year with like a real realization that I cannot keep letting men get to me in this way it's so Mm. unsustainable because like I'm obviously gonna 
day and I'm going to be in relationships with men but the way I was letting them get to me was not normal and it wasn't healthy and it wasn't conducive to like how successful I want to be and how hardworking I want to be and like you know just like supporting like a balanced mind and whatever Mm. so I made this like really 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 like sharp sort of like turn and was like I need to change the way that I'm doing this and what I ended up doing was like properly taking a break from men for a period of time and like not even talking to any of them like not talking to any of my exes which I was like talking I was I was always in contact with like my ex and then like the person I dated after him and like that just all changed and I had like a complete break where I learned to sort of function without the attention of men Mm. and then finally I've gotten to this place now where it if I know like something's ended and I have done something wrong say like I have like caused a stir which I also tend to do like I'm not perfect then I'll take responsibility for that and be like that's on me but when things happen like men are fucking weird all the time like they're weird (laughs) and they're fucking confusing and I don't know if that's just like what they are like and sometimes the way that they are with me because of who I like the way that I am and like what I do they're fucking weird with me. So when weird shit happens with them, I'm I just don't internalize it anymore. I'm like, well, that's like you obviously like can't handle me. Yeah. So it's taken me a long time to get here, but I do feel that. And my friends have been absolutely like my friends are just incredible because they're like they are the ones who said for years it's obviously not you. Like he's a loser. Like Anna will always be like, she'll say I'll be like oh, I'm upset about X or Y, and she's like, oh really? You're really that bothered about someone who like does like I won't say stuff to like make it really obvious who yeah. we're talking about but like she'll be like someone who does something as embarrassing as this you really care like and I'm like yeah you're so right like they're losers um not all of them I love loads of them but like the ones that are rejecting me I'm like why yeah. am I that bothered like I I love the fact that you also you do mention your friends a lot like and how much they're a support system to you because it's something that I feel like really shines in the book as well and yeah something that we'll definitely get onto we're in the era of embracing the complex female narrative. I personally would love to see Amazing Disgrace adapted into a TV series. <laughs> if it was adapted to the screen, who do you reckon would play yourself? Because I really enjoyed you saying that Peter Capaldi could play yourself. <laughs> I think I'd play myself if it was now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, teenage me, I'm not sure, but I think I'd play myself. Nice. Um... Peter, I, my lifelong dream is obviously to get Peter Capaldi to play my dad in something because <gasps> oh. obviously he played my dad in the thick of it. I think it's so um, funny. That's my dream. <laughs> but yeah, I think all oh, like who's nah. I I would definitely. I'm like so main character. I'm like obviously you no one can impersonate me. Yeah, yeah, obviously yeah. like that would not work. <laughs> <laughs> Even if I I'm love fifty. It. <laughs> I I'd mean that's like, the rules of Hollywood. Like whatever, yeah, it's exactly. fine. Like I can play myself at any age. It's like, we have we have the technology for it. Yeah, now. it doesn't even matter. Um, and we see a lot of comics writing and developing these like kind of semi autobiographical shows as well. We've got like Mae Martin and Rose Matafeo, Ashling B, Catherine Ryan. Is that something that like you have thought about or yeah. thinking of doing in the future? Because de- I feel it, like I can see that for you. It definitely is. It won't be the book. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I'm working on something at the moment that's like in really like early preliminary stages which is not like it's slightly autobiographical but also slightly not like mm. I think what, I guess like a lot of like what I talk about in the book and also on my Instagram and in my stand up is like very fucking general and re- it's like everybody goes through a lot of these things yeah 100% so that's de- that's definitely my ambition um but i'm kind of like i'm i'm not in like a huge particular rush because i know that it will happen i have complete faith it will happen but um I want it to be at the right time and it's yeah. like going to be like a really high standard of a show because okay. I'm obsessed with TV. I'm obsessed I'm with obsessed. TV I'm obsessed. Like well. all I do is watch TV and I like, I'm such a TV critic. Like I watch stuff with like, like it's all I do. And so I, I definitely, definitely will, will have a TV show and that will happen. But I'm like, I want it to be perfect. Yeah. I want it to be like a perfect sort of embodiment of like what I'm trying to do. And I want it to not just, be like in a really saturated space so i'm just trying like just figuring out like how it will be different yeah no that's really fascinating um and i guess that's really that is interesting one thing that i didn't know about you at all is that you went to uni and did you studied yes yeah 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 yeah. which i never i didn't know i thought i was gonna be a filmmaker like that's what i thought i was gonna do um and like a like a writer director yeah and then 
in my last year of uni i i got involved in a tv show that was like comedy and then in making that uh all of the other comics in it were like you have got to do stand-up and then they like encouraged me to do stand-up and that's how i got into doing stand-up so i'd never thought i was gonna be a comedian that's really fascinating okay i was wondering about that because obviously in the book you talk about again your friends and how they were a huge support in helping Mm. you like get on the comedy circuit and like doing the classic like local pubs Mm. like all of that kind of stuff so i was assuming that maybe it was your friends that were like pushing you to get into it so they no they were they were like the amazing i mean i've just like got the most amazing like support system but they all my friends like all my best friends came to like all of my first gigs but it was sophie duker who's a stand-up um and jen wakefield and cam spence who were the other comedians in the show they were like the first people to be like you obviously have to do stand up like you've got brilliant timing and i'd never thought i'd never watched stand up i'd never been to a gig no i had no idea i'd never even watched live at the apollo i was like 23 (laughs) no genuinely like i didn't really know like what 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 that meant (laughs) before i started doing stand up like then i had a few months where i would like watch loads of stand up and like you know, I, I'm obsessed with Jack Whitehall. It's such a random really? thing about me, but I think he's so funny. And I That's think, like, sick. some of his jokes are just, like, amazing. Um, and I just watched, like, loads of stand-up before I did my first gig. Yeah. So just, like, jam-packed it. And, like, but I'd never... And I love stand-up now. I absolutely love it. But it wasn't like it was something I'd been, like, obsessed Inherently, with. Inherently, yeah, like, grew but up. But now, weirdly, I think I'm... I think it is the greatest love of my life because it's the thing that like versus the internet and tv and radio and podcast whatever that you really feel like you're connecting with people in that moment Mm. and it's like a mad feeling you know it's like if i could sing i would have tried to be a pop star because like that as a concept of like performing to that many people it's it's insane insane. i went to see joe lyce at wembley a few weeks ago and i mean he's incredible He's, he's just such a brilliant comedian like truly a genius but he was performing at Wembley and I was like, this is like rock star shit. Yeah. Like, he got a bit where everyone in the audience is like shining their light and doing that. And I'm like, that's like fucking... That's mad. That's a music concert. Yeah. You're a stand-up. Like, it's sick. Yeah, and like... It's really can, cool. Yeah, it's, it is really sick. And yeah, you get so many like huge comedians like is that your dream basically to like stand to my stand my dream to is to do, to do an arena, yeah. That'd that's my dream. I'm I'm thinking... My goal is by the age of like thirty-five, okay. so that's like seven years. I think yeah. it's possible. I'm doing oh, yeah, Ali Pali, and then it will just keep going up. But yeah, like what what I was gonna say is, originally stand-up was kind of a means to like get on TV and like do other shit. Like I was like, it will be good for me. It will help me with my writing. It will help me with my performing. But now it's actually become like the greatest joy in my career. Like I I jo- I mean I enjoy everything, but I love stand-up. And I love performing. Yeah, I I can't even imagine what it's like, honestly, because it seems so terrifying. But I know a lot of people who are very similar in that they did screenwriting or are screenwriters, but who have dabbled in stand up because because it's I yeah, think it's really kind of go hand in hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. really it's great for writing. Yeah, um, but they're always like oh my fucking God, like it was the longest five minutes of my life being set like up there and it's just so petrifying. Like, I couldn't even imagine doing it. When you started out, was it, how did you find it? Um, My first gig was horrendous. I was just like, well, it wasn't horrendous. <laughs> Is that the it one was... that was with like a line yeah, of yeah, yeah, those yeah, guys? Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. like a really small audience. It was just Tyler and Anna, my best friends. That was it. Like, they were the only people in the audience. And then the only other people in the room were the other performers who were all men. And and the, when you start doing stand up, like the formats of those open mic nights are everybody who performs usually has to bring someone that creates the audience. So there'll oh, be like twenty okay. people on the lineup because each twenty each of those twenty people brings someone. So you've got forty people in the room. Right. So it's like bish rash wash because those nights are really hard to sell tickets for. Like they're not like you know if you're like if you're gonna spend one night of the month going to see comedy, you're gonna go and see someone who like is known or you know a better like mixed bill mm. that's not just newbies um and so the but the night i did the first gig there was like no one i brought friends it was just tyler and anna so like it was fine in a way because i felt like well what i was doing was just performing to, to them, them anyway yeah. i'd already tried the whole set on them <laughs> and then we just got really pissed afterwards um but at the beginning it was just like it was like fun it was random it was like 
you know, it was it was exciting because I didn't know what, what the fuck was going on. I was going to yeah. the arse ends of nowhere, like places <laughs> in London I've never been to before, doing gigs in like random rooms. But it was really fun and I and I felt like I was just getting better and better and better. Um and yeah, I mean now it's like, you know, it's worked out well. I mean, you've got your own you've got your own comedy night, which is pretty yeah. sick. So like yeah, definitely worked out for the best. Yeah, no, sure. it, but it was it's hard. Insane. It was like so at the beginning. And now, I mean, like, honestly, like I've just done the fringe again uh, for the second time. And like, you just get better and better and better. Yeah. And you just feel like you're getting better and better and better. It's not like a skill that you were given at birth. It's really not. It's something it's that you something have to, like, that you have to really learn and captivate. And it's so satisfying when you do that. Yeah. I feel like even listening to, um, like, like quite mature comedians, they're always saying, like, with like still then at that yeah. point, when they've, like, reached what you might think is, like, the pinnacle of their career, they're like, I want to keep going because I want to keep finessing or, like, perfecting this craft. And it's one of those things where, like, you can't really ever hit your ceiling I guess no you can't and also like the thing about stand-up which is what like stresses me out for example is like when you take a break you then are like oh my god like am I really shit like because my tour is until February right and I'm until I've sold out my London shows I can't really do like shows here until I've sold those out like as in my own show okay and so there's I'm gonna get to a point where I'm gonna be like what the fuck like I've forgotten (laughs) how to do this because it is like a it's like if you don't do it every day yeah, or like, like three four times a week yeah. you're like oh my god I'm really shit like because you, you're addicted to that validation so I've just come back from the fringe and every day you get that validation for like an hour sometimes two hours a day people are laughing at you you're on stage you've got the microphone you've got like hundreds of people watching you and then you come back and you're like well I live on my own like I've got no one to tell <laughs> guys, me I'm amazing like, guys, yeah. it's a weird feeling one thing I this isn't like something that I've written down but just something I was thinking about like obviously you've spoken a lot about like male validation and then the validation that you get through your comedy and your work like do you think there's something kind of linked with that where it's like there's there's a need for that external validation I think definitely we all need external I mean, validation we do, 100% I think it's like such a primal part of like existing is that we want people to know we want to know that people love us yeah. and people think that like we're amazing or not not necessarily like to the extreme of me but we all want validation it's, and that is because we like want to be loved we want mm. to feel safe we want to feel like people like l- sort of are thinking of us yeah. but I've had it in such an extreme way <laughs> where like I had such bad abandonment issues when I was mm. younger and it means that like I've really had to work on this feeling that I've had so much of my life, which is that like when I'm not there, people have completely forgotten about me, mm. which is why, you know, like my thing with male validation is like, if I haven't got validation from a man, do I even exist? Like, am I real or am I just like a bag of sand that's gonna like <laughs> flop to the floor? Like, yeah, it's been that extreme for periods of my life that yeah. if I'm not seeing someone, or I'm not like talking to someone like a lot, that I'm just like, well, what? What am I doing? Nothing else feels real. I don't feel that like that now. Yeah. I'm so not how sh- do you like break those kind of patterns? I did. That's what I did this year through like a lot of really hard work, which yeah. was like, I did um, a break from men. Yeah. It was like I treated it kind of like an addiction. Yeah. And so I I had a break from it, and then I weaned communication with like men and when I say men I mean men that I'm dating I don't mm. mean like my dad and like Jack <laughs> who's my best friend who's gay like I'm not saying them but like or like I'll talk to the guy in my corner shop when I go in there but I more mean like I had to properly like reintroduce like dating and communicating with men because it got to a point where it was like ridiculous like how much like I sort of needed it and how like to an excess I was like consuming men Mm. like at one point last year I was seeing like three different guys quite intensely as well it wasn't like casual I was like and it, and it would be like if one of them would annoy me, I'd go to the next one. It was just right. like, just like it was like abu- it was like an abuse. It was like the way I was like I was abusing it. Like that is really fascinating. Yeah, yeah. So I treated it like an addiction, and I know that that's like not really like orthodox. And like some people, like some of my friends have been like, you shouldn't really say that because it's like it's not actually an addiction, but it, right, it okay. is in the way that like there are people that are addicted to like love and sex and codependency mm. like that yeah, is a real yeah. addiction i also really want to discuss sweetie because 
I just wasn't expecting this. But yeah, it's a comedy drama um, feature film that you wrote a year before the Me Too movement about a young woman who gets raped by her friend from work. And this, it just seems like such a fascinating concept and it feels like something that like, I Have would... you read it? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. oh no, is it out there? No, no, no. Oh, okay. I, I was don't like, know, but don't you work in film? I do, I like, but I do. Sometimes random people can't see it. So I was like, I've read your script, and I was like, that's so random. I forgot yeah. about that. It was quite um, a few years ago. It was like 2017. Yeah, but like, do you? It sounds right up my street. Um, and obviously, in the last few years, we've had like these big critical successes of like femme revenge thrillers, like Promising Young Woman, that are that are exploring similar topics. Do you feel a bit shafted that that script? didn't make it at that particular moment. Well, do you know what? Like, no, because I never really do with that unless it's, like, somebody called... Somebody pretending to be Grace Campbell had a script that got... Like, that would feel like it was shafting if it was actually, like, completely, like, my idea and based on my life. But these... All women go through this. Like, it's, like, again, really universal. universal And that script was, like, with Film 4. And they were really considering it because I was pretty young. I was still at uni when I'd written it and I'd written it in like a week and I'd... And weirdly, yeah, I mean, it was based off of like, obviously like my experiences with like sexual assault mm-hmm. and rape. Um, but then it didn't in the end happen because like Michaela Cole was in the early stages of making I May Destroy You. This was years ago. It was like oh. years and years ago, but she, it was 2017, 2018, I think. And that that had been commissioned by that the BBC. So and they were like, well, this has just happened. I was like, well, fair enough. Obviously, can't wait to see that. And then like, I May Destroy yeah. You came out and I was like, absolutely like that. Like it was the most amazing show. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, but weirdly, when I, which you mentioned the Guardian article. So when I was raped in America last year, uh, I was in LA for work, pleasure, like I'd gone to like secure an American agent and like get some work stuff going o- over there. And someone I'd spoken to was like, you should slightly rewrite Sweetie to like up to date it to your writing now, like you're a stand up, your comedies like change. So like rewrite it a bit. Mm. And I hadn't read that script, which is about rape. I hadn't read it since like 2018. So it's last year, 2021, and I'd just been raped in Vegas anally, which is, like, relevant to the story. And um, then I came back to LA and I had that call and then I went through the script and I was reading the script. And really fucking weirdly, I'd written that this girl who was based on me got anally raped because I'd written that to make it separate from what happened to me in the past. Wow. And then it was two days after I'd been raped and I was like, what the fuck? And I was reading the script that I'd written when I was like younger. Yeah. And I'd sort of, I was like, oh my God, I've manifested it. Like it was my fault. I was like, oh my God. I was like, and then of course you bring more shame on yourself or something It was really fucking weird. That's actually, that would fuck with me a lot. And it fucked with me for so many reasons. Obviously like that's just bug out, but also I was like, fuck, nothing has changed. Like, I wrote that in 2017. Then Me Too happened. Then all of this stuff happened. And still, nothing has changed. I've just been raped in the way that I wrote three years ago. Mm. Four years ago. Yeah. And I just, I found it really depressing. I was going to put that in the Guardian article, but then I didn't have enough space in the word count. And it was a bit too, like, talking about a script that didn't get made. It felt a bit weird. But... It it that just like all was very depressing, but the script is good, and I think you know there's there's like there's never like too many stories about this stuff because well, yeah. we're all going through it. A hundred percent. And I was just just about to say, I know that you were saying that like oh Michaela Cole was doing I'm gonna destroy you at that time, but it's so fascinating because yet again it's one of those things I think um, we find all the time where it's like there's only space for one thing, and that again is a thing of like with women, it's like there's only space for one person at this table, and so it has to be this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, but, but it's like consume... look how many like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it mad. Is so ridiculous. Look how many period dramas there are. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. about like royals. Like it's like it's mad. Nobody says that. No, exactly. So it's like, it, yeah, stuff like that. No, it it's, it's fucking bullshit. But this is also why I find like pitching and that whole process really, really difficult because, yeah. you know, you're confronted, and I'm sure you experience this loads as well in your work, but like you're confronted constantly with, by people who are like, well, yeah, it just doesn't quite fit the box of what we're looking for. And because yeah. that already exists, it's like, no, you're probably not listening to me. Like, that's not what I said. Yeah. Um, it's it's infuriating. A hundred percent. No, I mean I totally get it. Like for me, that part of your book I found really fascinating because I 
as someone who's yeah like been kind of working within the industry for like the last six or seven years have also like come across a lot of that kind of like really shitty male toxic behavior and like purposely had to leave work environments for that reason so when i was reading that i was like oh my god yeah like i feel that Mm. to my core for sure mm. um, i'm sorry that happened to you it's just like fuck, it's so shit common. and it's but really it's not changing and it's not changing so even like when i made a show you came out i was like amazing this is going to be another like moment mm. where it's going to really change 100 percent. and we always think that we have these you, like you always think those moments. things happen 100%. and then you're like it's so anticlimactic because yeah. then you hear about like my friends get like I've got friends who have been raped yeah. in the last year, like since I was raped last year, and like it's just like I'm like, is this gonna be like a consistent theme that we're just like constantly like recovering from collectively, and that's what feels really depressing. So in my opinion, yeah, you keep banging the drum essentially mm. like over and over again, because just because I made it, just because like people, my me too happened. Yeah. doesn't mean that that's all that's over. That's like, okay, like, wipe our hands. Like that's, I also think, like, primarily now. the problem is met, is with men. Yeah. 100%. And until men start engaging in the conversation around, like, sexual violence, which they still, some of them have, and well done, like, I bow down to you, like, OBE. <laughs> like, they definitely deserve a medal. Um, but, like, in general, like, you know, when my Guardian article came out and it had the most incredible response, like, it was so shocking. I had no idea that that many people were going to read it when it came out um i got like so many messages from women obviously like thousands i mean it was insane um and i would say like about like 10 percent then were like messages from men and i felt quite sad because i was like and 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 i wish like more men i knew like and i know i've seen people now since i've been back from edinburgh and they're like i wanted to message you but i didn't want to get it wrong and i didn't want to say the wrong thing and i didn't want to say Mm. and i'm like that's fair like i understand that i'm not being like oh that's pathetic because i also do really get that like that there isn't a discourse like that's good enough and strong enough for like them to know what to say but that's what made me sad because I was like, I feel like loads of men think like, oh, well, it's kind of like women's, it's like a women's issue. Yeah. And it's not, it's really like not even our problem. No, not at all. We're not doing anything. It's just happening to us. Yeah. And so actually it's more for them to really start and like powerful, influential men. And I'm not talking like politicians, I'm talking like people online, like young men need to start like actually talking about these things yeah. in a just really humanising normal way and being like, I'm sure I've never gotten this right all the time. But, like, just involving themselves in the conversation with what It won't get better until that happens. This is a problem created by, like, men and, like, men and the way that men are around women and, like, culturally the way that men see women. Yeah. It's only going to get better. Um, exactly. Once they start, like, talking and, like, involving themselves. It's the same with a lot of issues and when it comes to, like, marginalized communities as 100%. well it's like when people it's like look at black racism to, yeah, to yeah, solve yeah. Racism, yeah exactly like, you can't look at the 100 uh, uh, like the people who are being oppressed to fix a problem but you it's need also to look not the their problem exactly like, they're just existing and this is a problem that's happening to them yeah exactly. that isn't their fault or choice and it's exactly like that it's like but the prop the problem is is that the people who are guilty in those situations being like white people and men in like mm. these two situations don't want to take, take any responsibility. A hundred percent. So and also it's like they be like because they are kind of in this feeling of being untouchable or they are able to exist in this very kind of free sense. They're like, I don't want anything to disrupt that. Yeah. Like, why would I want anything to disrupt that? So that's why it is such a difficult hurdle to get over which is frustrating but like i think that's why it's really important to have more you know stuff like the stuff that you're talking about in your articles and your comedy you and your dad are your biggest supporters and you always say how funny it is that um he invites all of your mates to your shows who is like the most random person who has attended one of your shows on the recommendation of your dad and like or like what's the funniest thing that's happened where you're like you are just so not meant to be here or like (laughs) well in edinburgh this year like because my dad like talks about me loads on his podcast it is so nice that you guys are so i know no i he's very cute he's very cute um and so he talks about and he was promoting my show loads on his podcast which is a very 
successful. It's been a yeah. shock of the century, but his podcast is like the most popular podcast in the UK now. Like he's my boyfriend loves it. It's insane. Yeah, no, yeah. it's absolutely insane. Yeah, yeah. The amount of people that talk to me now, like about his podcast, <laughs> like, I'm like yeah, okay. Guys, we get it. Fucking hell. But he he would promote my show at the end of every episode for like oh. the month before Edinburgh, being like, go and see Grace's show if you're at the Edinburgh Fringe. And so then, like, the beginning of the Fringe, there'd be, like, these, like, really lovely but, like, older <laughs> men, like, in the audience. And I remember one day there was this old man in the front row, and he was old. Like, that's not rude. He wasn't, like, my dad's age. He was, like, old. He was old, yeah. old, old, yeah. And I was, like, um, how comes you're here? Like, how did you hear of me? He was, like, oh, I listened to your dad's podcast. So I was, like, okay, well, like, just so you know, it's going to be nothing like that. So, like, <laughs> and then this poor man just sat there, like, whenever I was talking graphically about sex just sat there with his eyes closed it's like so willing for it to end it was like you know like when you're a child and you go on like a roller coaster at four park yeah. and you're so scared but you don't people know you're scared so like you just close your eyes and like pretend you're not there like when i was talking about like fanny farting a maltese right out of my vagina he was just sat there like just wanted to die he obviously wanted to leave oh. and then i called my dad i was like stop talking about my show on your podcast because it's just like it's not even that i care about like my do, it's do more feel i feel like, bad okay. i'm like i feel bad that this poor person is here for an hour <laughs> and they don't want to be here and I, I that's fine oh. I completely get why they don't want to be here but I feel bad that they're here oh it's so funny <laughs> it's more that then I'm on stage grappling two things I'm performing I'm like doing all of that and then I'm thinking bless this man I just want him to get home safe <laughs> Dude, I just want him to get okay. home I just want to know he's alright like but but then at the did same did you try and get him like engaged in the show like, I did you know I like, did but he he was too? very stush like right. he didn't really talk to me and so like I would try and talk to him and he was sort of he was embarrassed like he didn't really want to be he was on the front row like I was like why did you sit on the fucking front Everyone, row that is literally rule number one of comedy do not yeah, sit on the front row yeah but then I found out that the fucking ushers in my venue were telling the first people who got in to sit on the front oh, row and I after see. that I was like stop doing that because I was sold out every day we didn't need to like make people on the front row but so it'd be always the old people at the front of the oh. queue that would have to go and sit on the front <laughs> row unwillingly um, but then on the flip side oh. like in Edinburgh I had this like amazing couple who were like so sweet like in their mid 70s and it was their year anniversary and they'd met on match.com a year ago and they were so game so it's like obviously not all old people are like that like i honestly like some of the older women i've had in my audiences in my career i'm just like obsessed like grace and frankie (laughs) vibes i'm like you make me so excited to be old like it's really fun um um you do love championing up and coming comedians. Obviously, it's what you do with the Disgrace Club. It's Disgraceful. Disgraceful. Yeah. <laughs> the wine's already gone for me. Oh, Jesus. Um, sorry. Sorry. Right. But um, who is currently doing the circuit at the moment that you love and that you would love to like give a platform to or just like people should be looking out oh for? Oh my right God. There, well, there's so many. Like, firstly, like my friends, like Alice Brine. Sarah Roberts, Kieran Sagu, um, they were like my like rocks during the fringe this year. Laura Smith is incredible. I don't know if you've ever heard of her. Oh no. Um, Fatia El Ghori, um I've heard of yeah. It's amazing. Um, who else? Like well obviously people Sophie Duke is like absolutely made it right now. She just won Taskmaster. Loves it. I was about to say love She's Do, definitely Would not you see yourself on Taskmaster? Because I'm obsessed with it. Uh, I've never really... watched Taskmaster. You need to watch it because I can really see you on it. Really? Yeah, okay. Yeah. No, Set I've never God, watched that's it. That's something you should be manifesting because really? I can really see you on that. Okay, I've never watched it. I'm I don't a very know loyal watcher, and Sophie was really good, but I yeah. can really see you on it. So she, who else? I mean, look, there are so many people should come to the Disgraceful Club because I've always got like my like people that because like, people I meet at gigs I'm like oh my god you're so funny you should come and do my show oh, that's, great. that's how I get the people on the lineup. that's amazing I love that and what was the favourite show were you able to watch anything while you were in Edinburgh or was it so intense that you could oh my god Dan Why? I can't believe I didn't say it. Dan Why, who's like one of my like favourite comedians favourite people in the world does a uh, drag seance character called seance but also is doing stand up as Dan um, so I went to see Dan's show as seance four times Love it. Okay. In Edinburgh. And then I went to see Alice's show, Sarah's show, and Kieran's show, and that's it. I, I was not, like, in the mindset yeah. to, like, go and watch loads of stuff. Things that I ask my guests, obviously, because it's about uncertainty, mm-hmm. is what is the thing that you feel, at the moment, right now, the most uncertain about? People are, like, so broad with it. Some Like, ha- when Harry was on it, he was like, I don't know why I left my bike, so I feel the most uncertain about finding that. But like, then Right, like, right, right. So it can be... I mean, I need to do that. an STD test. 
gorgeous love and i keep forgetting mm-hmm. and that's the first thing that popped into my head when you said that is yeah. i keep forgetting to do an std test <laughs> i don't think i have an std but i have had like an unprotected sex okay and so i need to do a test <laughs> so i'm uncertain about whether or not i've got chlamydia that's fair enough mm. yeah. yeah 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 fair um and what is the thing that you feel the most certain about right now um what do i feel the most certain about I feel like really, really, really happy about and like certain in all of my friendships at the moment. I feel like I don't have any like deep friendships that cause me any stress. And like I used to because I have such like intense relationships with my friends. Mm. And so, and they're all like most of them, some of them are new friends, but like some of my friendships in my life have been like up and down and. I feel really stable because of my friendships at the moment. So I don't know if that's like a certainty, but I'm certain I have great friends. Yeah, yeah, no, I love that. I feel like that is something that like just really screams from even us just like sitting down today. Obviously, it's only been like an hour and however long, but like especially through the book is just how much you value your friends. And it is... Yeah, and my mum always says that. Like my mum's always like, there's this ongoing joke in my family, like of how many best friends I have. And my (laughs) mum... They joke about it in there. My mum's always like, the thing is, like, you do, because I'm such a good friend. Like, and I, I say that, and it sounds, like, braggy, but it's not. Like, it's not, no, I will literally, like, for the people that I love, I will do absolutely anything for them. And I, and when one of them is in a bad way, it's all I think about. I'm like a mum. Do you know what I mean? Like, all yeah. I think about and is, is worry about them. And so that's why I've got great friendships, because it's give and take. Like, yeah. a good, successful relationship is two ways. And so, like, that's why I've got such brilliant friendships is because we've got that, like, two-way, you know, bond. Two-way street. Yeah, definitely. Oh, that's a really... That's a very nice way to end the podcast. Well, thanks I'm for sorry, having me. I'm sorry I didn't end on the, on the funny. Don't worry. No, you ended on a nice... <laughs> can I get a picture of you with my book? Yes! Oh, my God. Okay. Thank you so much, Grace, for being such an incredible guest. And thank you all for listening. We'll be back with another episode very soon. Bye.